somebody ought to throw your hand in the air and shout higher. I'm going higher. I'm going a little bit higher. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Anybody feel that way tonight? Ain't nothing and nobody gonna hold me down. Some of y'all might remember that my wife and I, a couple of years ago, decided to raise some chickens. We don't have them right now because we are in the middle of, of homes. But I, when we got them chickens, I, I started noticing a particular behavior with those chickens, especially during the rainy season when them storms would come. And, and those chickens are smart. When the, when the clouds would start settling in and, and all of a sudden the wind would start blowing and the thunder would start cracking, them little chickens, I don't care where they were at in the, on the property, they would take off running for cover. <laughs> Nobody had to warn them. No, you didn't have to call them. You didn't have to train them. There's just something in a chicken that runs for cover when the storm comes. And you'd find them all huddled up under there just, just trying to hide from, from the storm that was coming. But you know what else I found out? There's a difference between chickens and eagles. When the storm comes, eagles never run for cover. An eagle is designed to soar. And so an eagle doesn't look at the storm as a threat. It looks at the storm as an opportunity. I can't get no help in this Holy Ghost Church. And when you look at the storm different than everybody else, uh, you react to it differently. Uh, and instead of running from the storm, uh, an eagle turns into the wind uh, and starts to spread its wings. Uh, and it uses the power uh, of the storm uh, to take it higher. Oh, when you got the Holy Ghost, you went from being a chicken to being an eagle, baby. You're different than everybody else. When you understand that God is in control and that he works all things together for your good, baby, when the storm comes, when the wind starts blowing, I don't stop praying. I don't stop coming to church. I don't start whining and complaining. Baby, I look at it as an opportunity. I came to tell somebody, you ought to spread your wings and turn to the wind tonight and let the devil know I'm about to go higher. I'm about to go to the next level. I'm about to ride the wind. I'm about, I wish somebody would on a Tuesday night lift those hands and spread them like an eagle. I'm going higher. I'm going higher. your neighbor I was born for this 
tell your neighbor, I was made for the storm. The Bible says that the righteous shall flourish like the palm. When the storm hits a palm tree, it doesn't get weaker. It gets stronger. Its roots go deeper. Its branches get taller. Bring it on, devil. One poet said, if you only knew what I was going to be after the storm, you wouldn't have bothered me. I'm stronger. I'm wiser. I'm better. Somebody shout, I'm going higher. I wish you would shout and let the devil know tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Whoa! I'm anti-fragile. Past several months, places I'm flying and going, people, man, y'all survive in the storm? Anybody been asked that question? You surviving? I said, baby, I ain't surviving the storm. I'm thriving the storm. I'm not just holding on trying to make it. Uh, baby, the storm opened some doors. Uh, the storm ignited something in me. Uh, the storm was a catalyst uh, to the blessing uh, and the mid my God. Uh, the storm is working for me. Uh, I said the adversity is working uh, for my good. Hey! Oh, if you believe it, shout one more time and give him a prize. Hey! High five somebody on the way to your seat. Tell him I'm going higher. I'm going higher. I'm going higher. Oh, I'm elevating. I'm elevating. Ooh. You don't know the people that are against me and the people that are talking about me. You need to let your hater become your elevator. You need to ride the gossip to the next level. Come on, I said you need to ride the gossip uh, to the next level. Don't get mad, get glad. Don't get bitter, get better. I wish I had a witness in the building. <laughs> Anybody feel good on a Tuesday night in this place? Anybody walking in victory tonight in this place? Whoa! Stand with me all over the house. We're going to get right to the word of the Lord tonight. Amen. While you're standing, let me say welcome to all of our guests that are here in the house of the Lord with us tonight. Would you help me put your hands together one good time, church, and welcome all of our guests that are here tonight. Amen. What an honor to have you here with us to everybody streaming online tonight. We're glad that you tuned in uh, to take a peek at everything the Lord is doing in this place. Aren't we a blessed people tonight? How many of you were blessed by what the Holy Ghost did in this building on Sunday? I'm telling you, God was with us in such a powerful powerful way on Sunday 
Amen. I think her name was Angela, was baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost on Sunday. Sunday morning and Sunday night. I think we had two more baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost in Port-au-Prince, Haiti on Sunday. And so, so many Holy Ghost connections and guests and God is, is doing a great, great thing. And uh, have you been blessed and been enjoying our holiness series? Amen. I encourage you tonight, if you have missed any of the lessons on holiness, uh, I encourage you to go back uh, to our, our YouTube channel or SoundCloud or podcast or whatever your choice of listening to media is and go back and work your way through these lessons. Uh, they are designed to work together in sequential revelation. And uh, we have been enjoying thoroughly the depths and the riches of God's word concerning holiness. And uh, I want to uh, continue tonight with another lesson on holiness. Now I'm going to tell y'all how mindful of you that I am. I was preparing for tonight and I knew for a fact that it was going to take me a good hour and a half of teaching to make it through the whole lesson. Yeah, y'all saying that now. But in an hour and 10 minutes, it'll be quiet as a... And so I broke the lesson into two lessons. And so I'm only going to keep y'all an hour and 15 minutes tonight. I'm, I'm, I'm teasing. But I did break it into two lessons. And uh, I'm just, I'm being somewhat facetious. Uh, we understand the value of God's word. And there are times that we simply can't put a clock on what uh, God is doing. Amen. If I put a timer on how much YouTube you've been. The discussion would be over with. <laughs> Amen. But, uh, but we, we do want to, uh, more importantly than that is. Uh, I want to be able to feel the liberty uh, to completely uh, work my way through these topics and not feel the pressure of time constraints. Amen. What is more important than getting through it is that we get it in us and that we've got it. Amen. The book of Isaiah chapter 59 verse number 19 is where I want to invite you to read the word of the Lord with me. Tonight, uh, again, I highly encourage you to go back, listen to the lessons. Uh, we have spent a lot of time laying foundational uh, teaching down that uh, is, is imperative to you understanding these subsequent lessons. Isaiah chapter 59, <clears throat> one verse of scripture, verse number 19 says... So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. And for a few moments tonight, I simply want to teach, preach, 
However, it comes out about standards. Standards. Would you turn and tell about four or five people next to you, we have some standards. No, you got the wrong neighbor. They're acting like they're doing something else. Find somebody else. Tell them, we've got some standards. Amen. Would you clap your hands one more time and give God a praise for his word tonight? Amen. You may be seated. It is almost impossible to avoid as you are living for God and especially if you are a new convert hearing the phrase at some point in your walk with God holiness standards has anybody ever heard that term before holiness standards I want to talk about that a little bit tonight because the term holiness standards is not necessarily a quoted biblical phrase it is not something that you can do a word search and find in the word of the Lord. However, you can certainly find its definition throughout the entirety of scripture. If you study the Old Testament and you study U.S. history and you study world history, you would quickly understand that the original meaning and definition of a standard was a banner that was lifted up or displayed before people, usually on some sort of a pole, as a rallying point or a signal. Probably the easiest example that we could draw from tonight is the fact that the United States of America has a standard that we call the United States flag. That flag is known as a standard. And that standard, when you see it, it is not just a piece of art but that standard has intrinsic definition and meaning to us. It is very symbolic and very powerful in the message that it communicates to us. When you see that United States flag flying, it represents something powerful to us. Those 50 stars that you see on the flag stand for something. They are not there arbitrarily. They are not there as an art or deco piece. But they mean something to us when we see the 50 stars that are on the standard. They remind us and point to us, to the 50 states that make up the United States of America. When you see the stripes that are on the flag, there is not 18 stripes or 21 stripes or 7 stripes, but there are 13 stripes on the U.S. Standard, And those 13 stripes mean something. 
They are not there just because somebody thought uh, that stripes would look good uh, on the flag. Uh, they are symbolic. Uh, they have definition. They have meaning to us. When we look at the 13 stripes, uh, they point to the 13 colonies uh, that broke away from British control uh, and declared their independence uh, from Great Britain. So those flags uh, mean something to us. I'm going to get into the biblical version of this in just a moment, but let me take a few moments to tell you uh, about some world history and the importance and the power uh, of a standard. These flags uh, were used to define uh, the values and the characteristics uh, and to define the genetics uh, of particular countries or tribes or nations. And so it has been in world history that when nations or tribes or countries would begin to train their military they would establish the standard their their flag their national symbol it would become an important part of their warfare as they would train soldiers it would often be found that they would march and parade their standard through the troops every day as they did marching orders uh, and they went about their day uh, at the camps uh, they would parade the flag, the standard uh, through the army uh, because it was important to them uh, that the same values of the nation that they lived in became ingrained inside of them uh, and so the standard uh, was a way every single day uh, to put the value uh, and the definition of that nation in front of that country. And so it was when they would march into battle that one of the first things that would go into battle would be that flag, that standard. Before you could ever see a soldier, before you would ever see a horse or be able to make out the definition of a chariot, you would see flying high on a pole or a stick the standard of that regiment. It let the other country know that this is who is coming. This is who is marching. This are, these are the values uh, that we are fighting for. Uh, these uh, are the values uh, that we stand for. Uh, these are the values uh, that we are willing to give our life uh, for. Uh, these are the values uh, that we are not willing uh, to compromise with. Uh, these are the values. Uh, and so that is what the standard uh, meant. Uh, and they had a particular person uh, in the regiment that was known as a standard bearer and it was their sole job and responsibility to carry that standard whatever you do don't let down the standard your one and only job is to carry and protect the standard that standard meant everything and so as they engaged
engaged in battle, uh, that standard bearer uh, would march to a place uh, where logistically they felt they could protect uh, the standard of the army. Uh, and it was there uh, that a army would come under the most uh, severe attack. Uh, the standard was uh, usually the first thing uh, to come under heavy attack uh, and fire in a battle. Uh, it was usually the first goal or target of an enemy would be to capture uh, the flag or the standard uh, of that regiment uh, because as those soldiers uh, would fight uh, and the battle was put into array uh, and swords were flying uh, and guns were being discharged uh, and the dust from horses in battle uh, if that soldier got into a fight uh, and he became disoriented uh, all he had to do uh, was look around uh, and when he saw the standard uh, it meant to him uh, that we're still standing, uh, that we're still alive, uh, that we're still in the fight, uh, that we're still in the battle. It also meant for a young soldier uh, that if he was wounded uh, or he got into trouble uh, during the fight uh, that he could run uh, to wherever that banner or standard was. Uh, it was a locator for him to know uh, that this is a place of refuge uh, and safety. Uh, but it was a tactic uh, of the enemy uh, to capture uh, the standard. Uh, and what the enemy would do uh, is if they were able uh, to overtake their enemy uh, and to capture possession uh, of the standard. Uh, they would not lower the standard uh, but rather uh, they would intentionally leave the standard up in the air uh, and the purpose uh, was for deception uh, because uh, even though the flag was in the air uh, the soldier thought that it meant uh, safety uh, but the definition of that thing uh, had now been changed uh, and it was now in the enemy's hands uh, and as that soldier would run uh, toward the standard for safety uh, he would then be captured uh, by the enemy uh, can I stop for one minute to preach to you tonight uh, that nothing has changed uh, in the dimension of the spiritual uh, can I preach to you uh, that if there is one thing that the enemy uh, would love to overtake uh, concerning God's church uh, is the banner uh, and the standard uh, of the church. Uh, it is not the enemy's goal uh, to remove the standard. Uh, it is not the enemy's goal uh, to destroy it. Uh, it is simply uh, the enemy's wish uh, to redefine uh, what the standard actually means. Uh, oh, can I just cut to the chase? Uh, what people call holiness today uh, is not really holiness uh, in the word of the Lord. Uh, I know they're still flying the banner. I know they're still flying the standard. But in many places, the definition has been changed. What it stands for has been changed. There has been some ground that's been given up. There have been some battles that have been let go. There have been some wars that have been surrendered to the enemy. But I came to preach tonight that you're in a church that has a made up mind uh, that we're
we're never going to let the banner down. Uh, that we're never going to give the standard uh, to the enemy. Uh, I don't care what the pressure looks like. Uh, I don't care what society says. Uh, I don't care what the fight looks like. Uh, if you take my standard, uh, it will be when there is no breath uh, inside of my uh, body. Uh, we are here uh, and we are defenders. Uh, could I preach to you for a moment uh, that we have a mandate from God uh, to be a standard bearer, uh, to fight for this truth, uh, to defend the gospel. Uh, oh, the word of the Lord charges us uh, with the responsibility uh, of contending uh, for uh, the faith uh, that was given to us. Uh, I just feel like preaching to some spirits. Uh, I feel like preaching uh, to some things tonight. Uh, I'm only 45 years old, uh, but I want my forefathers uh, and the elders that have gone on before me uh, to know there's a young man uh, that's not going to let down the standard. Uh, I want them to know that there's a young man of God uh, who will do whatever it takes uh, to hold up the banner. Uh, that will, I don't care uh, if my peers let it go. Uh, I don't care uh, if my elders let it go. Uh, there are some things uh, that God has given us uh, that I will fight for uh, until the day I die uh, or until Jesus uh, comes back. Uh, I came to preach to you uh, that we've got uh, some standards. Uh, we've got some things uh, in God's word uh, that define us uh, as the body of Christ, uh, that define us uh, as the bride uh, without spot, uh, without wrinkle, uh, that define us uh, as the elect, uh, as the ecclesia, uh, as the called out uh, of God. Uh, we have a standard. We have a standard. And we're willing to die for it. We're willing to fight for it. We'll do whatever it takes to hold on to it. I, I, I want to keep moving, but I feel the Holy Ghost just charging me right now. You understand that when they went into battle, they were not ignorant of the possibility that that standard bearer was target number one. And there was a good chance that he would give his life holding that standard up. And so they lined up. They had a backup and a backup to the backup. And there was a line of men who understood whenever that thing comes to my hands, it's now my responsibility. And when it comes to my hands, I'm now the one holding. Could I preach to a new generation? I'm a young man still, but I believe God is preparing some young men and young women in this building uh, that are going to catch uh, a love for truth uh, that the enemy cannot challenge uh, that the enemy cannot change uh, you're going to get a revelation of God's word uh, that is so deep uh, that you understand uh, I'm not living this way uh, because of tradition uh, I'm not living this way uh, out of obligation uh, but I've got a revelation uh, of who I am so devil uh, it's not not just my daddy's hands on the flag. Uh, it's not my mama's hands uh, that are on the standard. Uh, but I've got my arms uh, wrapped around the standard. Uh, and whenever my daddy 
daddy goes, whenever my mama goes, I want the devil to know that my fingerprints are on the standard and it's in my heart and it's in my spirit. Somebody give God a praise tonight. Come on, young lady. Come on, young man. It's time for you to start living beyond. This is just what my mom said I got to do. This is what my daddy said I had to do. This is what the preacher said I had to do. No, it's time for you to start getting yourself into the main standard of the word of God and saying I got it for myself. I've got a standard of truth in my life that nothing can take away from me. And so, when we talk about holiness standards, you understand that holiness is not a byword in living for God. I mean, we, we love to quote John 3, that except you're born again, ye cannot see or enter the kingdom of heaven. But my Bible tells me that without holiness... No man shall see the Lord. Come on, you got to defend holiness like you defend Acts 2.38. Come on, it's just as important uh, part of me living for God. Uh, it's just as an important part uh, of me making it to heaven uh, is understanding uh, the standard uh, of holiness. Amen. And so with this in mind, you can begin to dig into the scripture, the book of Numbers chapter 21, verses 8 through 9, we find an interesting scripture. Bible says that the Lord said unto Moses, make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole. That word pole, if you look it up in the original, is the word nasas. It is the same word that we get in our text for standard. It's the same word for standard. Make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a standard. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a standard. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. There was a standard that God set in the middle of his people. It was customary to give a standard as a token of protection and that was regarded as the surest pledge of fidelity and so when God said I want you to put this standard up in the midst of my people there was a promise of power and redemption with that standard and when we read our text in Isaiah chapter 59, and you can read it even in Isaiah chapter 11. God lifting up or setting up a standard implies a particular presence 
a protection and leading of his people in the execution of his righteous will. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against. Are you getting a picture now in the Holy Ghost? When the enemy comes, I'm going to bring it to where you live. When the enemy comes against you like a flood, and it's not if, but it's when. How many of you live for God long enough to understand? That when you experience an attack uh, that is flood-like, what defines a flood? It is simply water that increases to a level, level that it overflows capacity. It's beyond the ability to keep it in control. Sometimes attacks come to your life that overflow your capacity doubt. Am I only preaching to me? It's this, and then it's that, and then it's this, and then it's that. And before I can even figure this out, that's happening. And before you know it, it is overflowing. Whenever you experience flood-like attack, it should be an indicator to you that there is supernatural opposition that is happening in your life. Can I preach to you that when those moments come, the same way the children of Israel had a promise from God concerning that standard. Uh, the Bible says uh, that when the enemy comes in like a flood, uh, that the Spirit of the Lord uh, would lift up a standard uh, against the enemy. Uh, there is something that happens uh, when you are living uh, in covenant with God's standard. Uh, there is something that happens uh, when you are living in relationship uh, to God's standard uh, that God waves the banner uh, and it means uh, what it says. Uh, this is a child of God. Uh, this is a faithful child of God. Uh, devil, get your hands off of him. Uh, devil, there's only so far. I just see a Job uh, in my mind's eye. Uh, you can come on if you want to, devil. Uh, hit his health. Uh, hit his money. Uh, take his houses. Uh, but there's a line in the sand. Uh, I've got a standard uh, raised up against you uh, because I've got a covenant uh, with this man. I just need some people in the building uh, that understand it pays uh, to live holy. Uh, it pays to live according uh, to God's principles. Uh, it pays to live uh, according to the word uh, of the Lord. I will lift up a standard. Standard. And so, the modern dictionary definition of standard is a something established by authority, by custom, or general consent as a model or example. Number two, it is a means of determining what a thing should be. This is what this is. There has to be a standard that defines what it is. When you drive down the road, okay, let me give you all a standard that y'all know about and you see the golden arches. It is a standard. 
That means something. It means Big Macs and quarter pounders. I'm coming for you. It means a hot apple pie. It means a McRib. It means some hot salted fries, some caramel ice cream. It means a McFlurry. All of these things are wrapped up in the definition of the standard. And it, it represents a true definition of standard because it doesn't matter if you're in Fort Myers, Florida, or if you're in Toledo, Ohio, or you're in San Diego, California. When you see that M, the food going to taste the same way everywhere you go. There is a defined standard, an authenticity. Unless you go to the McDonald's down the street here, then it's a little bit different. But <laughs> If you know, you know. Anybody besides me ever figure out? I mean, they, nowadays, these places, I mean, they can't ever get you. My order is never right. I mean, never. At like 60% success rate. No onions, got extra onions. You name it, no pickles, got five of them. Large fry, didn't even put fries in the bag. There's got to be a standard or else you wouldn't know what you were getting when you went there. Depending on who's running the grill. Shakita might make the Big Mac with one patty instead of two. And JJ, oh, I can't use that name. Oh, Sally, when she makes it, she uses two patties, but only two pieces of bread. And so depending on who's there, you don't know what you're going to get. But because there's a standard, when you order that thing, it's going to be two pieces of meat, three breads, and some sauce, some Big Mac sauce. Every time, it's a standard. And so a standard tells us what something is. Now, if we serve a God that said, be ye holy, he's not the author of confusion. He would not leave holiness as some subjective topic that all of us just put our own interpretation on it and we hope for the best. And depending on how we feel or what our background is or what culture we come from, holiness means one thing here, something else. Oh, am I preaching tonight? Means something over there, but something. No, 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 baby. Listen, there is a standard that God has raised in his house. There is a standard of the word of God be ye holy for I am. Can I preach to you something else? That in him there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. He is unmutable. He does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If it was unholy then, it's unholy now. If he hated it then, he hates it now. If he loved it then, he loves it now. There is a a standard or it wouldn't be a standard 
Amen. The third definition, I preach from a dictionary. It is a test of quality, whether formulated as a rule or not. I like that. It is a simple test for determining the authenticity or value of something intangible. There's a set of parameters, a standard, a protocol of testing that allows you to authenticate. Sister Sabri, whether or not it's a real Louie or a Fluie. Gucci or a Goosey. There's certain things you look for that only the authentic has. There are certain standards uh, that, that, that if it's not there, you see, that's how they train people to detect uh, uh, fake money, uh, counterfeit money. Did you know that to, to, to train them how to detect counterfeit money, they do not study counterfeit money. As a matter of fact, they don't let them touch counterfeit money. They spend hours and hours and hours handling the real thing. They touch it over and over again. They taste it over and over again. They smell it and they look at it. They study the real thing so much that when a fake one comes by, they know it in a New York minute. Listen, that's how holiness is. You got to get a hold of the word of God. You got to dig into God's word. And come on, somebody, when you study the real thing, when you get it in your spirit, when you get it in, see if all you got is a surface relationship with his truth, then you'll be deceived by counterfeit doctrine. You'll be deceived by churches that tell you you don't need to do that. This isn't necessary. That isn't important. But baby, when you start spending time with the authentic, oh, see some of y'all think I'm crazy, but there's times that when I'm praying, I just got the Bible right here. I know it's just a symbol, but I say God, I want everything I want to know what it feels like. I want to know what it tastes like. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I want to know it, God, so that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against it. When everything comes against you to tell you that's not real, that's not that's not the Holy Ghost. Oh, I feel like preaching to somebody when the devil comes to tell you, uh, you you didn't really have an experience with God. Uh, it was all fake. Uh, it wasn't real. Uh, you got a standard uh, that comes up uh, against the enemy uh, that says I'm not living my life uh, based on emotion, uh, but I've got a standard uh, that comes against uh, the flood-like attack uh, of the enemy. There's a protocol of authenticity. Oh, really? It's not necessary, huh? Not according to protocol. The standard says that it is. Oh, I got to keep moving. I'm going to end up preaching an hour and a half anyway. And so, quite simply, I don't want you to miss this tonight. Holiness 
standards are not the tangible part of holiness. You hear me? That is an internal work of God's spirit. However, holiness standards are an external sign that an authentic work of salvation and subsequent Christian maturity have taken place. And thus, they are a test of quality. Let me tell you the way Jesus said it. Ye shall know a tree by its fruits. You're not going to know a tree by taking a DNA sample of its bark. I'm holding this on the inside, baby. If it's on the inside, Jesus said, you'll test it on the outside. You're not going to test a tree uh, by looking at its roots. Uh, he said, I'll tell you how to take an authentic test. Inspect the fruit uh, of the tree. Can I get a witness in the bu building? Book of James tells us that we will show our faith by our works. What I do on the outside is the quality test of what's on the inside. See, you can have holiness on the outside and not have it on the inside. But you can't have holiness on the inside and it not show up on the outside. Oh yeah, you can be fake. You can have it on the outside and, and be as, as unholy on the inside. But if you got it on the inside, uh, your tree's gonna bear fruit uh, of holiness. Uh, and that standard uh, is a measurement of authenticity uh, as to what's going on uh, on the inside of the tree. I'm hurrying tonight. You're taking notes. Write this down. There are three types of holiness standards. Write that down. There are three types of holiness standards. Number one, we have Bible standards. Bible standards are standards which are explicitly commanded in Scripture and demand immediate obedience from everybody these are the thou shalt and thou shalt not they are the absolute non-discriminatory standards they apply to everybody they don't discriminate what neighborhood you were raised in what organization you're a part of or not a part of or how your mama did it, or your dad, it don't matter. They demand immediate obedience from everybody. They don't discriminate. Then there is the second type of standard, which is church standards. Now, before I go any further, do not make the mistake of thinking that the second or tertiary standards are any more diminutive than the primary standard because the second and third levels are just as imperative and important as the primary. 
biblical standards, and then you have church standards. Church standards are usually established by spiritual leadership to deal with the practical application of scriptural principles in modern situations. When the word of the Lord was written, it was in a different era. There was no electricity. They didn't have cars. They didn't have the internet. They didn't have all of the particular dynamics of the society that we live in today. And so everything scripturally cannot be addressed in absolute specificity. It cannot be necessarily addressed in individual particularity. But everything is addressed principally in scripture. Come on. I said everything under the sun is addressed principally by scripture. In other words, there's not a thou shalt and thou shalt not uh, for everything that is in the world that we live in today. But there is a biblical principle uh, for every detail uh, of every part of life uh, that you can find in scripture that will give you the answer to how we should and should not live. And so these standards have to be applied and, and, and communicated by spiritual leaders. I'll give you an example. The book, uh, the book of Psalms, chapter 101, verse number 3, the, the writer David uh, said, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. This was before there was such a thing as Hollywood or television or Netflix or whatever. This was before all of that. He could not write a scripture that said, thou shalt not watch television. Thou shalt not watch. He, there was no verse. But the principle of not setting a wicked thing before your eyes, followed by the replete principles of God's scripture for understanding to keep our mind and our spirit pure, allows the man of God to begin to preach a standard uh, by which he can categor categorically put things uh, into scriptural principles uh, and say because the word says this uh, then there is a standard about this uh, so when you get the Holy Ghost and you live for God uh, you get rid of the television out of your home uh, and you throw away all of the Hollywood DVDs uh, and you cancel your Netflix subscription uh, why because you can't we're not going to set any wicked thing uh, before uh, my eyes I don't care uh, if you got to walk in a theater to see it uh, I'm not setting wicked thing before mine eyes. Uh, I don't care if it's on a 54 inch LED screen uh, or a four and a half inch uh, phone screen. Uh, I don't care if it's on a stage uh, at a Broadway play. Uh, if it's a wicked thing, uh, it doesn't belong before uh, your eyes. I wish I had a witness uh, in the building. There is a standard of holiness where the man of God says there's a standard here. It is the same principle by which the apostle Paul had to say follow me as I follow Christ. It is the same principle by which God gives authority to Moses when he brings him onto Mount Sinai and he says, Moses, I want you to set a boundary around the mountain and you tell the people not to cross the boundary. If they cross the boundary, Moses, uh, I, I want you uh, to kill them. 
God didn't say he was going to kill him. He told Moses to kill him. I'll preach that another time. Y'all ain't ready for that. Now, some of y'all are born and raised here in Florida. Or you come from some area with flatlands. And you haven't been around mountains very much. But I grew up in Colorado in the mountains. And I got a question for you. Where does a mountain start? Because if you've ever been to a mountain, it's not like you're walking on the ground. I'm going to the mountain. Oh, there it is. There's the mountain. It's not like that. For miles and miles, before you put your hand on a single tree, there's a rise in the elevation of the land. Most of the time, you're already partway up the mountain before you even look back and realize how much elevation that you've gained. My point is, where does the mountain start? I'll tell you where it starts. Moses, it'll start wherever you say it starts. Moses, I'm giving you the authority to put the line there. I'm giving you the authority uh, to put a standard in place. Uh, wherever you draw the line, Moses, uh, that's where we're going to say uh, that the mountain starts. Uh, and I'm going to honor uh, the authority because the authority isn't yours. Uh, it comes from me. Uh, and I'm going to, uh, I've called you to do what you're doing. Uh, so when you set the standard, uh, the people are going to live uh, by the standard uh, that you set. Can I preach to you for a moment that there are standards uh, of holiness uh, that I'm not going to give you chapter and verse uh, that says thou shalt uh, and thou shalt not uh, but there are scriptural principles uh, that God has given us uh, where I can stand as a man of God uh, and tell you uh, if you're going to make it to heaven uh, you can't do that uh, and be pleasing uh, in the eyes of God uh, if you're going to make it to heaven uh, you can't live like that uh, you can't partake of that uh, and be pleasing uh, to God can I get a witness uh, in the building tonight and just like the enemy did in ancient warfare he'll constantly come to you about the standard trying to take it from you trying to change its definition well that's not really what bishop means that's really not what that means. He's relentless in his pursuit to capture your standard, to redefine, because if he can change the standard, it is a doorway to overcome you. It is a doorway to eventually destroy you in spiritual warfare. These are principles that are usually understood and implemented gradually as a believer matures. We don't take people who are brand new in the church, just baptized, just got the Holy Ghost and put a list of rules in front of them and tell them it's time to line up. I don't do that and neither should you. You don't take a baby out of the out of the new baby ward, whatever they call it. Huh? I'm hearing 15 different words. You don't take that baby home and make it a steak. 
and stick that steak in the baby's mouth, you'll kill him. You don't take brand new babies off of the sincere milk of the word and try to give them strong meat when they're not ready for that in their walk with God. You'll kill them prematurely. It's not your job to run around trying to fix people's progress in their walk with God. You've got to let... You got to remember what holiness is. Remember, it starts with the inward man. God's still trying to figure some things out on the inside, and you're trying to get him to fix the out. God's trying to get him to stop telling lies. God's trying to get him to stop committing fornication. And all you're worried about is how they have their hair fixed or what they. No, no, no. You need to quit worrying about that. Let the Holy Ghost work on them and let the man of God feed them as the shepherd that understands and so there are those kind of standards why am I addressing this because in the next few lessons we're going to dive into a few more subjects and, and it is imperative that you have this paradigm of revelation the next kind of standard that I want to talk about and the last one and I'm, I'm getting close to being done are what we would call personal standards. These are standards which are prompted by the Holy Ghost in individual lives due to the unique background of each believer and may have no relevance to any other believer. For example, there are some people that before they came to God, they had a problem gambling. And so their form of worldly entertainment was to go and play poker. And they'd blow their check playing poker and, and gambling and playing cards and smoking cigarettes. That's why, that's why I don't mess around when I preach and preach sermonettes. Because sermonettes make Christianettes that smoke cigarettes. And so, because that's where God brought them from, when they get the Holy Ghost and start living for God, they may have a particular sensitivity to playing card games that you may not have. Now, that was never my thing in the world. I never got into gambling or I don't even like to play card games now. But it was never my thing. And so, you know what? If you want to teach me how to play poker... Let's go. As long as it don't involve gambling or any other variant of poker. Hello. But there are some people that when they get the Holy Ghost, they may decide, you know what? I'm never going to play card games again in my life. Because every time I get the deck of cards in my hand, it brings a familiarity to me about where God brought me from and it causes me to maybe even stumble a little bit or have a desire, a taste in my mind. So for me, I'm making a personal standard that, I, that I'm not going to play cards. And anybody who is sincere in living for God is going to have some personal standards. There's going to be some things in your life that God deals with you that's for you. 
that go beyond biblical standards, uh, that go beyond church standards. Uh, there's going to be some things that for you, uh, God said, I know everybody else can do that uh, and they can live for God, but for you, uh, you need to abstain. Uh, for you, that's a stumbling block. Uh, for you, you can't go in that neighborhood because that's where you used to party and you know where all the drug houses are. Uh, so you know what? Uh, you, you don't belong in that park over there playing basketball. Uh, I know everybody else can go play ball uh, and it means nothing to them, uh, but you need to come to the church and have a prayer meeting uh, instead of, come on, anybody... I suggest to you tonight that if you're really going to live for God the way he wants you to, your life ought to be full of personal convictions because that is a sign that you're not living by the rules and bare minimum. That's a sign, not in a way of rebellion, but you're going past rules. You're going past the lines. You're like Adam who told Eve, I know God said that we can't eat it, but you know what? For us, we're not even going to touch it. What was that? It was a personal standard. God said over here, but he said, I'm going to make it an even safer. I know myself. If I go over there and I start touching it, I'm going to want to eat it. So my standard is I'm not even going to touch the fruit. Uh, and if I'm going to do that for me, uh, I'm going to institute it in my household. Uh, oh, am I preaching really good right now? Uh, if you're really going to live for God, uh, the longer you walk with him, uh, there's going to be some things uh, that God says uh, for you, uh, you need to get rid of that. Uh, there's some phone numbers in your phone uh, that you better get rid of. Uh, I know, I know everybody else can handle that, uh, but you are too tempted. Uh, you've got some weaknesses uh, and you're so in love with God uh, that you say, God, uh, whatever it takes to be saved, uh, there's nothing worth me risking uh, my walk with you. Uh, whatever it takes, uh, I'm going to live for you. Uh, if i got to shut that off, uh, if I've got to discount, there's some people, uh, you have no business on Instagram or Facebook uh, because social media uh, keeps leading you to places uh, that you don't need to go. Uh, you don't need to wait for your pastor uh, to tell you to get off of social media. You don't need to wait for a church rule uh, telling you that you can't do it. I don't care if everybody else is. You've got to have enough understanding that I've got to live for God for me. And if I can't handle it and keep a right spirit, keep my heart right, then I need to get off of it. I'm preaching better than you're shouting tonight. There's some music that has the title Christian on it. And every time you listen to it, you don't feel like praising God. It starts taking you to a different place. You don't need to wait for your youth pastor to get up and tell you, uh, start naming artists. Uh, don't listen to this. Uh, and don't, you don't have to wait for that. Uh, you ought to have enough Holy Ghost inside of you uh, that starts putting some personal uh, standards in your life uh, that protect uh, your walk and your relationship uh, with God. Music come. I'm almost done. And so these make up the constituency of, of what we would call holiness standards. We understand what a standard means to us. Understand its purpose. Now I want to, I want to answer a couple of questions that are often asked. And I want to preemptively address them tonight, especially for some of us who might be newer in our walk with God and 
inevitably, you know, the devil never has a new trick up his sleeve. You live for God long enough, you'll pattern the dude. It's always the same tricks. It's always the same old lady in a different dress. It's the same principles, the same stuff. And oftentimes when we're talking about things like holiness standards, inevitably the enemy will come to you through some carnal person or some social media influencer. Let me stop and talk about that for a moment. There's some social media influencers y'all need to get rid of out of your social media. I don't care if everybody else is following them. There's some of you that spend more time listening to social media influencers than you do apostolic preaching. Come on. I'm not saying everything they have is wrong, uh, but when you listen to Jordan Peterson uh, more than you do apostolic preaching, uh, who do you think is having a greater influence uh, on your walk with God? Uh, a non-holy ghost. Oh, I'm preaching really good right now. I'm going to take it a step further. I love preaching, apostolic preaching. I love listening to it on Holy Ghost Radio. I love listening to I think you should. I love listening to it. We, we produce content from this church. We have a live stream and we archive it. We invite people to come and watch it. We set out reels to, to try to, to, to get people interested and because it's, it's good stuff. But, but I want to stand here flat-footed. And if you're online right now listening and this isn't your home church, this is for you too. There is no voice that will ever be the voice of your man of God in your life. I don't care how popular the preacher is. I don't care what kind of church he's pastors. Uh, I don't care how many followers he has. Uh, I don't care if you like his style. Uh, come on, I'm preaching to people that are watching this. You might say, oh, the Rock Church and Bishop William. Listen, you might enjoy the preaching here, but there's nobody anointed to preach to you uh, like your man of God. There's no pastor uh, that's anointed. God doesn't give your mail to another mailman. Uh, come on, he gives your mail uh, to your man of God. Uh, come on, you ought to give deference. Uh, you ought to give special attention uh, to your man of God, to your pastor's voice. I've got lots of preachers that, I, man, I love the way they preach. and man, I love the way they deliver the word of God and they're... Man, I, and I appreciate it. But I'm going to tell you something. There is nobody's voice that will ever replace or take the place of my pastor's voice in my life. I'm 45. God's blessed us. I, I believe I pastor the greatest church on the planet. Can't nobody tell me nothing. <laughs> I'm a bishop, oversee other preachers and pastors and, and lead, but I'll never outgrow needing a pastor in my life. The day I don't have a pastor in my life is the day you need to find a new pastor. Bishop Elder's my pastor. He's my man of God. My life's an open book. His voice carries more weight in my life than any other voice. 
I don't care how good they preach. I don't care how kind they are to me. I don't care what they do. God has called him to be the watchman of the wall. God didn't give anybody else that assignment. God gave him that assignment for my life. And so you've got to understand if there are other voices competing for influence in your life. It could be the, the hand of the enemy trying to change the standard. Some of us are reading books that we shouldn't be reading. Listen, you got to have a standard in your life. If you pick up a book and start reading it and it starts violating your conscience, violating the Holy Ghost... I don't care if you paid $15 for it. I don't care if all your friends are reading it. I don't care if it's the New York Times bestseller. It's about to be the trash can's top contender. Why? Because you got to protect your mind. Putting wicked things in front of your eyes is more than just things moving on a screen. Don't you remember the word of God that life and death is in the power of the Words are powerful. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost moving right here. You've got to have a standard about the things that you let entertain you. You've got the Holy Ghost and you're a, a young lady living for God. You have no business reading romance novels. You are opening up a box of emotion. You are opening up compartments of your life that you have nowhere to connect to. You have nowhere to connect them. That is a godly connection. You're not married. You're not ready for marriage. God hasn't opened that door. You are prematurely. And when you do that, you make yourself vulnerable. And there are demons that are assigned to your fate uh, sitting over your shoulder uh, and they're watching the pages turn uh, and they understand. Uh, they know how to look at your body language uh, and they're looking for an opportunity. Uh, what are you doing? You're allowing things to influence uh, your mind and your thoughts uh, and your emotions. Uh, I'll tell you what you need to do uh, is what they did in the book of Acts. Uh, when they got the Holy Ghost, uh, they grabbed those books, uh, those books of sorcery, uh, that's all it is, is modern day sorcery. And they brought them to the house of God and they burned them because they understood we've got to serve one God. My heart can't be stolen by the tricks of the enemy. Come on, somebody. Young man, you better get to a place in your walk with God. Where everything doesn't have to be instituted by somebody else. You are on borrowed time. When the only thing you have holding you together. Are the standards that somebody else established in your life. Come on I'm preaching to some people in the building. When the only thing keeping you uh, is the principles that somebody else developed uh, you, you're on borrowed uh, time uh, because somewhere uh, that altar uh, has to become your altar uh, you can only pray at mom and daddy's altar uh, for so long uh, you can only live for God uh, on your pastor's altar uh, for so long uh, somewhere you gotta be like David uh, 
and say, I refuse uh, to offer unto God that uh, which cost me nothing. Uh, I want to buy my own altar. Uh, I want to establish uh, my own. Uh, I want to pay full price for it. Uh, whatever it costs, uh, I want to develop my own prayer life. Uh, I don't want it to be, I got to be there uh, or else I can't sing in the choir. Uh, I got to be there uh, or else somebody's going to get onto me. Uh, no! I've got to be there because I want God to touch my heart and I want God to prepare me. Standards are so much more than external things that impose themselves on us. They become beautiful things that we embrace in our life. That we're not willing to trade for anything in the world. Come on, I want us to stand all over this house tonight. There's people all over this building right now. There's people that have been living for God for two weeks. There's people who have been living for God for two months, two years. Some of you have been living for God for two decades. But I sense the Holy Ghost talking to some of us in this place tonight. And God's calling us to a deeper walk of holiness with him. God's calling us to a deeper place of consecration where we say, all right, God, this isn't about what I have to do, but God, how do I please you more? God, how do I walk closer to you? God, how do I continue to remove anything that would have, that's it, come on, this altar's open, people are coming right now, you ought to come and get as close as you can. See, when you get it like I'm preaching it, you, you don't do your best to stay as far as you can from the altar, but you do everything you can to get as close as you can to the altar. God, whatever's available, I want it. Whatever is available, give it to me, God. I'm not waiting on somebody to, to get on me uh, to pray. Uh, I'm not waiting on somebody uh, to try to uh, correct me to pray. Uh, God, I want you. Uh, I'm seeking after you. Come on, would somebody lift your hands uh, and just talk to Jesus. Come on, lift your hands and talk to Jesus tonight. Come on. Come on. Unprovoked. Without anybody pushing you, without anybody prodding you, is there anybody that's hungry for God tonight? Come on, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on. Oh, God. I know it's Tuesday night, but God, I want to spend a little time with you. Lord, I know it's Tuesday night, uh, but I want to spend a little time in your presence. I know I've got to work tomorrow, but God, uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, right now, I've got to spend time with you. Come on. In the name of Jesus. 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 Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on. Somebody let that be your prayer tonight. Come on. Come 
on, let that be your prayer. I'm not holding anything back. I give you all of me, Jesus. Talk to him tonight. Somebody talk to him tonight. Oh, Jesus. Come on, come on, come on. tonight God's waiting for you tonight he's waiting for you tonight oh God come on come on come on come on Come 